God's grace, peace, and His mercy be upon you on this second Sunday in Lent, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. One thing leads to another, as the saying goes, and it happened to me as I was preparing this message for you. I wanted to use the word inculcate, because I like the word. Yeah, like, what is that? (laughs) I like that word. It means to instill an attitude, idea, or habit by persistent instruction. But inculcate is kind of a clunky sounding word. So I Google it to find uh, more familiar words that mean the same thing. And one thing leads to another. The definition of inculcate pops up on the computer screen with an example of it used in a sentence. And here's the example. It's from the Oxford Online Dictionary. Inculcate. The failures of the churches to inculcate a sense of moral responsibility. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. Ouch. (laughs) That kind of hurts. The failures of the churches to inculcate a sense of moral responsibility. And couldn't the editors of the Oxford Dictionary come up with another example? (laughs) It's convicting. It causes one to pause and ask, has the church failed to inculcate a sense of moral responsibility? Before we answer that, let's remember that as an LCMS pastor, I have no influence in the Catholic Church. I have no influence in the Episcopal Church. No influence in the Baptist church and so on. I have no say in other Lutheran synods, such as the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America or the Wisconsin Synod. Even within our own denomination, I am one man in a ministerium of thousands. The only influence I have to inculcate a sense of moral responsibility in people is right here where you have called me. We're all in this together, though. So it begs the question, have we failed as the church to inculcate a sense of moral responsibility? Judging by the way things are going, and if you all who are of a generation older than me might compare it to your time that you remember, I'd say we have failed. But I'm part of the problem too for failing to inculcate a sense of moral responsibility as a leader in the church for which I say, Lord, forgive me. I want to do better. We have all sinned and we should want to do better. Now can the ship be turned around? Or are we too off course morally as the church? Well, I suppose if Jesus were to return today and gather all those who believe in him to bring them to the new earth, no doubt he'll find many, you and me included. But if he doesn't return for a while and people's moral responsibilities continue to contradict God and it leads to his sheep, 
If it, if it leads his sheep into unbelief and rejection of Jesus, well, he's going to find a lot less people to bring to the new earth when he comes back. Now, there are many reasons behind this, but we can safely assume a major contributor to this dilemma is a lack of understanding on the part of those who follow Jesus. Even in those days, and when I say those days, I mean the days that Mark writes about, the, day that Jesus, the days that Jesus walked the earth with his disciples. Even in those days, there was a lack of understanding of him. Our verses today from Mark are important as we shift from a celebratory mood in the church to a more subdued one in Lent. Mark also shifts in mood and theme. Chapter 8, which our verse has come from, is a critical turning point in the story as Jesus begins to move towards the completion of his mission. The feeding of 4,000 hungry people who had been crowding around Jesus and the disciples following him for a while, that happens first, which shows Jesus has truly come for all people's benefit, Jew and Gentile. After this, the Pharisees demand a sign from Jesus that he is who he says he is, and Jesus refuses to entertain their request, to put it nicely. And this shows that Jesus' opponents are going to remain his opponents to the bitter end. Then Jesus gets rather testy with his disciples over the leaven of the Pharisees, and this takes place to confirm them as his valued, valued disciples. You know, you, you hear it often in sermons that the disciples just don't get Jesus. You hear it over and over and over again. They just don't understand. And these guys often seem to us like the 12 stooges, you know, sort of bungling their way along as they follow their master. But we really should give them more credit because, after all, they were chosen. And they are valued, even though most of them, you know, most of the face time that they get in the New Testament, they're still hardened in their hearts and understanding. But it's Jesus' encounter with the blind man that really showed the disciples and shows us that one gains sight into the reign and rule of God in stages. Now, I want you to hear how this encounter goes again in the original language. I'm not going to speak it in Greek, but here's, here's more of a uh, direct translation. And they go into Bethsaida, and they bring a man to him, a blind man, and they plead with Jesus that he touch, that he touch him. And upon laying hold of the hand of the blind man... He took him out of the village, and after he spat into his eyes and laid his hands on him, he proceeded to question him, do you see anything? And upon regaining his sight, looking up, the man proceeded to say, I do see because I see the people walking around as trees. Then again, he placed his hands upon his eyes, and he stared with eyes wide open, saw clearly and he was restored. And he began to look at all things from afar into all things clearly. Now, centuries before this happened, Isaiah wrote 
the eyes of the blind will be opened. Here in Mark, we see that fulfilled in some part with this blind man. But notice it doesn't go so smoothly. The man's eyes aren't completely restored on the first application of Jesus' healing power. And this is part of the odd Jesus that we hear of in Mark. You know, another time he didn't know who touched his garments. Well, you know, how how could he not know? He knows everything. Another time he was unable to do the mighty works in his hometown because the people there were too hard-hearted with unbelief. The power of God could not break through people's unbelieving hearts. This is the strange world of Galilee and Judea that we're walking with Jesus through as he begins to make his way to Jerusalem to be crucified. The bringing on of God's reign and rule into this region of the world at this particular time in history, all happens while the old existence, the old creation, continues to wither and decay. And so Jesus' works of wonder happen in stages. It's not this instantaneous blast of fireworks and light show like we see in movies with, when Marvel and DC superheroes wield their power. In the real world, the forces of God are resisted by the forces of corruption, by the fallen old creation, and those forces fight back. This is the age you and I, the whole church on earth, still live in. So no wonder then, the church fails to inculcate a sense of moral responsibility, among many other things, that it was established by Jesus on earth to do. Even though the old creation continues to resist the kingdom of God, and we too resist because we have a part of the old creation in us, Jesus takes further action as he did with the blind man. Jesus did not leave his mission only partially fulfilled, See, as we grope around with partial sight, not seeing and understanding Jesus with 20-20 vision, He sees us clearly. Indeed, He saw us so so clearly with all our spots and blemishes of sin, He applied His healing power to us when He died on the cross. Our sin is no longer counted against us. When we applaud the morally bankrupt institution that is Margaret Sanger's Planned Parenthood with our social media presence and even give money to its cause, Jesus died for that. When we fall for the lies promulgated by gravely misinformed people and in turn continue to spread their falseness, well, Jesus died for that. When we fight with each other, Jesus died that. Moreover, he died for people, sinners like you and me who fail every day to inculcate a sense of moral responsibility in ourselves and in society. We should want to do better. We're forgiven and free 
to love others as Jesus gives his love freely and abundantly to us every day. We ask his Holy Spirit to instill a habit of love toward one another by persistent instruction of his word. And may the peace from God our Father, which goes way beyond our human understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, and may we see him more clearly in stages every time we hear his word. Study it, take it in for our learning, and endure in faith to the last day when he returns. Amen.